hello, this is Tim Rogers. Uh, I suppose this is the beginning of uh, this week's episode of the Insert Credit Show. We're doing something a little bit different this time. Uh, me and Brandon Sheffield are both happen to be in Tokyo at the same time, and today is the day we decided to go to used bookstores and uh, video game stores and look at video games. And uh, to begin this, we've uh, chosen to meet at the Akihabara Electric Town entrance. Uh, just for old times' sake, this is this place used to be the king of video games. Uh, used to be where all the games were, and, uh, and now they've, you know, as it was just the video game place. And as that, you know, you do one thing well, you get known for it. You get known for it, and eventually. Everybody pays attention. Now there's a bunch of fancy department stores here. There's a department store building that's a tower that's just full of gourmet restaurants, uh, which is interesting, I guess. So the town is a lot different than it was the first time I came here, which was, uh, well, the first time I came here was October 16th, 2001. That was uh, almost 14 years ago right now. I'm at the Electric Town entrance, uh, Denki Gaiguchi, which uh, there used to be only two entrances, the Denki Gaiguchi and the Showa Dori entrance, which is the one all the way in the back. Uh, but now there's all sorts of other stuff. There's a Tsukuba Express line, which is a line that takes you up to Ibaraki. There's a... Uh, yeah, so I'm just looking inside this train station. There's this one thing. It used to be a wall, and then... The other side of the Electric Town exit used to be a wall. So back in the old days, 13, 14 years ago for me, uh, when I told someone, let's meet at the Electric City exit, I meant uh, I meant standing outside because inside it's just it was just all walls. In my memory, this place still has two walls, uh, not an, an Atre department store and uh, an exit to a big wide courtyard part of me wonders you know and this is uh, I guess what it means to get sort of old uh, maybe this big courtyard out there with nothing in it maybe that's the electric city exit now maybe that's what people think when they think of the electric city exit I'm going to keep standing right outside uh, I don't have any internet access on this trip because everything that went wrong could have gone wrong uh, went wrong uh, I ordered a pocket Wi-Fi. I didn't arrive at my hotel. So we're having to do this old school style, me meeting Brandon in front of the uh, Electric City exit. We said 11.30. It's now 11.38. I, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I'll uh, let you know when he gets here. Okay. Bye for now. It's 11.59, uh, 49, or whatever. I just listened to Yuri Yuri Teikoku's song, Nai, live at the Shinjuku Liquid Room, 2003, in its entirety. That's 11 minutes and 9 seconds since my last uh, recording. I see Brandon Sheffield approaching here. Uh, he's a little bit late. Oh, hey, how are you doing, Brandon Sheffield? I was just uh, uh, speaking an introduction to the Insert Credit Show, episode number 109. 
Hello. It's it's nice that we're standing right here in front of Maid Raymond. Yeah, yeah, Maid Raymond. Maid Dreamin' is supposed to be the combination of words. Uh, it says San Byakuman Nin Topa. That's too many. That's a lot. That's three million people have Topa there. That's too many Nins. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's Maid Dreamin'. Uh, like, it's the word Maid and Dreamin' combined. The D from Maid becomes the D from Dreamin'. Uh, but it looks like it says Maid Reamin'. Yeah. The end. That's pretty rough stuff. Uh, drinking a Ito N, uh, Oweyocha matcha green tea. It's a uh, Kyoto style. I guess me and Brandon Sheffield, are we going to have some food? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, are we going to get the, uh... The vegetarian ramen? Vegetarian ramen. Uh, the vegetarian ramen. Let's get it. All right, let's go there. Uh, I have to go to the bathroom. Uh, let's go through this way. Okay. Have you ever, uh, like, ha- tell me if you've experienced this as a feeling. You, Brandon Sheffield, or you, anyone listening. By the way, I've decided, who cares? We don't have, this, this doesn't have to be exactly an hour long. What does it matter? It's already been on for about ten minutes, if you know what I mean. So, uh, 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 what was I saying? You ever, like, go to a, a hotel, like you're in a city, like you've traveled somewhere, and you get to this hotel, and you don't take a dump in the hotel toilet the whole time. It's always somewhere else, and it just occurs to you, like, late in the trip, and you're like, man, is that going to happen? It's like, I am I have to check out of my hotel tomorrow morning to go to another hotel, and it's like, it's a really nice bathroom in that hotel. I could relax and take a take a real serious one, yeah. but... uh uh, yeah, that has happened to me. It, that one of the most difficult things about uh, about transitioning to a new time zone is is letting your biorhythms catch up. And so some sometimes I'll be, you know, I'll be like, all right, I've got a full day planned. I know I'm going to go to uh, Akihabara, and then I'm going to go to Yurakucho, and then I'm going to do something else, and then eventually I'm going to go home. And it's like where. Where where does biology fit into this equation, and at what point is it going to strike, and is it going to be in a uh, squatting over a <laughs> hole in the ground? Of course, uh, <laughs> yes, a dog hole. Can we go to this Muji first? Okay, we're gonna go to a Muji, uh, and sometimes that is where it occurs, and there's nothing you can do about it. the The second most difficult thing, especially in a place like Japan or England, is adjusting to. Uh, going to a place being on the left and coming back to a place being on the right. I, I continually am walking on the wrong side of the street and, and getting and glares from old people. And that's what happens. Uh, alright, so we're gonna go to Muji. Alright, should I, should I pause this thing? I'll, I'll take it. Uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something about taking a dump. Oh yeah, having lived in this city for a very long time, I know where to take a dump. And, uh, Unfortunately, we're not close to where I would like to take a dump, but the Yodobashi camera in Akihabara has surprisingly acceptable facilities. They've got the full floor-to-ceiling door on the stall, and they've got the uh, heated washlets. Uh, it's very nice. Oh, it's Muji. I can smell the lemon ginger uh, humidifier oils. I'm here. Lemon. It is. Well, that's that is uh, what I meant to say. Uh, I'm not thinking straight, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here to buy a sweatshirt. Literally. Not, uh, they'd be over here. Alright, I'm gonna cut this off for now. We'll get back to you at the Yodobashi Vegetarian Ramen. 
All right, so we're in the Yodabashi camera in Akihabara. Uh, I was trying to get a Muji sweatshirt, but the largest shoulders were too narrow, and the extra largest everything was too wide. So I didn't get one of those. And now we're in Yodabashi camera. I was telling Brandon that the last time I came to Japan, I did not even go here except to eat the ramen, which is way up on the eighth floor in the gourmet court Akiba, as it's called. It's open till 11 p.m., by the way, this ramen. In case you get much hungrier much later. Uh, I was telling Brandon that he should go to the Pokemon Center in Ikebukuro if he gets a chance. Because, uh, what were we saying? There's a whole bunch of goods there. Uh, and it's, it's fun to imagine. Is this going down? Is this going down? Oh, this is cool. I don't care. We're gonna have a good time in this elevator. This is going down. It's gonna reset our button press. If it's now very, uh, you can maybe hear an echo on here. Uh, yeah, the po- Pokemon Center is cool because there's like a hundred thousand different goods of every Pokemon. They got Pikachu in a dress. They got Pikachu dressed up as a doctor. They got Pikachu dressed up as a rock star. You can just buy these plush things. And uh, what were you saying about justice? Yeah, I was saying that uh, my lady friend is one of those people who actually kind of, you know, learned um, things about justice and you can do it and you're okay as long as you believe in yourself and do the right thing. Uh, she learned that from Pokemon, she said, because she was not getting it from her family, who was like, no, you're the worst, and you should not uh, do anything, because uh, except for be a doctor, because you'll fail otherwise, and you're going to fail anyway. So that's what we think. But yeah, Pokemon, I guess uh, for some people, it actually did that, and that's quite nice. It also taught a bunch of people a bunch of words I have heard, because the vocabulary seems to age up over time, which is pretty nice. Um, Oh, here we are on the eighth floor. I guess we're going to the gourmet court Akiba. And there's a place called Xi'an. I wonder if that is at all like Xi'an famous foods. It is food from Xi'an, yeah. Oh, man. I bet they don't have vegetarian things there, though. Xi'an famous foods, if you don't know, is a fantastic place that you can go in the New York... New York City. New York City. They have four branches I think two in Brooklyn and two in Manhattan and there it's really it's a nice food that has unique distinct flavors and I'm looking at I'm looking at the menu here and they definitely have similar stuff I just wonder some similar stuff but it looks like there's meat in that that's yeah it looks like there's meat in everything oh yeah god darn it god darn it well, that's too bad. If you ever get a chance and uh, and you're in New York, you should get some. Uh, after this, we're gonna go try to find some video games. I guess uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll check in with you later. Yeah, why not? It's got to use my fingerprint to unlock it. Uh, wait, where is this ramen? Oh, it's, uh, I guess this place is designed, oh, Dan Dan noodles and fried rice. You know, they won't ever make you a fried rice in Japan that doesn't have meat in it. You have to, you ask for no meat and then they're like, oh, we, there's going to just be meat in there. I'm sorry. They won't, they won't make you pretty much anything without meat in it. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, they don't want the, the, the inventory taking is a problem. Like, wow, some of these creatures in these UFO catcher machines. Oh my goodness. There's a giant Elma. Oh, Elmo, huh? 
My mom, uh, she won't let uh, her grandchildren uh, hang out with Elmo toys anymore. Did I tell you this? Yeah. Because they found out that the because the guy was on drugs or whatever. Wait, where is this place? I don't know, man. Uh, I'm scared that maybe it has disappeared. I don't even want to look at the guide. Let's look at the guide. Oh, the guide's just gonna make me sad. Wait, is it down one floor? Is there another restaurant floor? Am I an idiot for not remembering this? No, no, it can't be. No, it's not down one floor. That would be impossible. Uh, we might have uh, achieved a, a massive crisis problem here. They might not have the Raymonds anymore. Uh, I'm looking at the sign. I saw the sign. Did it open up your eyes? No. Okay. It closed them. Well, what can I say other than there's something wrong? Uh, I think it's gone. I think it's 100% gone. Because look at this. 16 through 24 are marked as coming soon. So is 8. Maybe it was an 8. But we should ask that hat lady. Uh, yeah, I'll ask that lady with the hat. No, wait, I don't think she's a... I don't, I don't think she would know. What? She asked if I knew the name of the place, and I said, I forgot, which wasn't true. I just don't like saying the names of stuff, you know? You know? You get that? And then she confirmed that, yes, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, we're, I think we're going to die then. I, I have to go to the bathroom, so that's right there. Uh, I'll take, anybody want, anybody want to listen to me take a dump? Uh, all right, Wahoo. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be out real fast. Trust me. Uh, hello, yeah, we're in Super Potato now in Akihabara. Uh, there's plenty of Mario-related goods here. The Mario 30th Anniversary. Uh, Super Mario 30th Anniversary Big Size Towel. That's got uh, Mario 1, 3, Super Mario World, the new Super Mario on it. It's got Propeller Mario, Yoshi, uh, Raccoon Mario. I don't know what this is. Uh, there's a lot of Mario-related stuff in here. And I was telling Brandon Sheffield that I just did the math. I just ran the numbers, and it is not possible that this fat baby right here is going to leave this country without having bought something Mario-related. That's uh, that's, that's all there is to it. I got some stuff to say. Here you go. Say something. What do you got? So, so I'm over here in Super Potato looking at Saturn games and stuff, and it's just amazing what has happened to prices. Like, I look at things that I bought for nothing like a year ago and they're incredibly expensive now for example um, Dracula X aka Symphony of the Night for Saturn is now running around a hundred bucks I bought that for for twenty bucks back in the days it's just <clears throat> just about everything what else can I find here that is you, you get your regular Panzer Dragoon for seventeen bucks 
uh, Assault Suit Lanos 2, which I just bought in Korea for $4. And they had about seven more of them there. That is $35 over here. It's, it's a real weird time because Japan is no longer the best place to buy Japanese video games because they don't have enough. They're all outside the country. So if you got the opportunity, why not go somewhere else? Maybe that's the place. Okay, that's it for me. I'm going to hand this back to Tim. I'm looking at, they got this uh, little tiny stuffed uh, Princess Zelda, Wind Waker Zelda here. I really want it. And they've got, it's 1,500 yen, but I can't use it as a keychain, so I feel like it would be an extremely frivolous purchase. The way I justify buying little pink stuffed animals is when I can use them as a keychain. There's a twin bee for 780 yen. For some reason, there's a little twin bee keychain. It's got the little cell phone adapter thing on it. Look, look at the uh, look at the PC Engine section. The PC Engine section. You'll notice there are no video games in it. Yeah, these are. There's like a shelf that's just got stuff taken off of it. Yeah, they, they're, it's, they're, over here there are more spacers than than games. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, this this is the Hue card section, so the non-CD-ROM section. They have I can actually count how many there are, and the the, the number is like twenty. That's how many games they have in the whole section. The ones that are in box. Oh, man, and then these here. There's not even that many loose ones. No, the loose ones, people have been snapping those up, too. Got oh, a yeah, b- bunch is, of Dungeon Explorer ones. This is the one that I wanted to mention. Like, uh, is it here? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. So this is amazing. Uh, yesterday, I was marveling at the fact that Magical Chase, the Japanese version has gone up incredibly in price because the American one is so expensive. So I bought mine for $45 about two and a half years ago. And here we are in uh, two and a half years later. It is now almost $400. And they had three of them here yesterday for $400. And now they have zero of them because... Someone bought, Someone bought all three of those for four hundred dollars each. So you're presuming you're presuming it was one person bought all three, not three people bought one. Yeah, each. that's that's my assumption. I'm it, guessing that's about it right just, as well. Because based on the the buying patterns that I have seen of of people coming to here, In the weird world of video games, they're yeah. just buying everything. If they see it, they get it, and that's it. It's a it's a little weird. Yeah. There's this weird cacophony of Mario All Stars menu. Yoshi's Island and Secret of Mana's title screens all happening at once. Yeah, it's it's pretty... It's maddening. It's blended into but, something but insane. Y- Do we want to go upstairs? Let's go upstairs. Let's talk our way upstairs. All right. Uh, yeah, I kind of like those Saturn Hori pads. Uh, I like them a lot. But I don't have any. It's not the most Wait, popular opinion. How much was it, though? Let's see. It's it's 13 bucks. I don't know. It, uh, the, the D-pad feels good. Yeah. Buttons. I really like the buttons on it. They have, they have spring. Yeah, I don't own one. Maybe I'll get it. Yeah, I'd recommend it. That's what I used to have for my Saturn in my house. I got a lot of got a lot of Saturn controllers. Um, all right, I'm gonna. I have to buy these two things down here before I go up there. Go on 
them by them. So I'm going to hand this over. Yeah, so I used to have those Hori controllers. Uh, I remember having them on my Saturn. And uh, I remember some people commenting. Man, here's a story. Uh, I once... Uh, so you... you I mean, everybody will say that the Saturn has, like, the best D-pad, right? That's just, like, what... That's everybody's go-to answer for talking about D-pads. So... So once, uh, once I had a, a, a female friend, a girl friend, not my girlfriend, come over to my house, and it was a, for a date sort of thing, situation. Basically what I'm saying is that I invited a girl to my house, and she saw that I had those hoodie pads for Saturn, and she remarked that, uh, that uh, she didn't understand why I would have those and not regular Saturn controllers, because... The Saturn has such a good D-pad, and I was like, "Do you actually like? Did you have a Saturn?" And she's like, "No." But I've just heard people say that. I was like, "Wow!" So that's like she was like not a video game person at all, and that's, that's like a, a huge compliment. But that opinion had gotten all the way to her, and she had held a Saturn controller and been told this is the best D-pad. So there you go. That information gets around. Uh, not that it's, uh, I mean, not that I disagree. I mean, it's a nice D-pad. I like the Hody one, though, because I, it feels like it's built to last, like, literally forever. So, so just, just briefly, Persona, friend of the show, wants, wants, uh, wants an N64 controller with a working stick. Now, uh, look, look at all these and see what it says on them. It says stick is busted? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, as I was saying, you're going to need to find a Hody one, uh, there's got to be a place to find them in a box. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess they're these... Oh, there's one in the box. Yeah. They're these Tony controllers. I don't know what they are. Uh, they kind of suck, but... Uh, 18 bucks. 18 bucks. So, this is a brand new Nintendo 64 controller. Do you want to photograph this and give it to him? It's about 30 bucks. The problem is... I, I don't have the space for that. Owned. Yeah, owned is right. Uh, owned times a hundred. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I never find so much on this floor. Yeah, I just thought that would be where to find the N64 controller. That's where it is. Uh, and I guess that's it then for Super Potate. Yeah. Soup pot, as I call it. Oh man! Whoa! Hold on! Hold on! Oh, real nice. They've got this Hody original PlayStation controller, uh, which is a really classy, uh, classy controller. Also, look how nice this uh, this MSX. I mean, it's not nice look looking because it's yellowed through with, through years of tobacco smoke, but just the, the design of it in general. Yeah, they're cool looking consoles. Oh, an Optech AI commander with a little LCD screen. Yeah, I like those. Oh, use, but to look at. Uh, this Hody original PlayStation DualShock. Hody little baby tiny. Yeah, I actually like this a lot. I never owned one of these, but I've seen these before. Oh and then, no, am I an idiot? Do I need to buy uh, the Valis PC Sound Orchestra album? It's brand new. It's brand new. What about this, huh? Track one is called The American Truck. The American truck. 
I'm looking at a really peculiar ASCII uh, PlayStation controller with extremely long grips, and it's got just one trigger on each side. Then it's got the four triggers in the middle, kind of split in like a crosshair pattern. Uh, I kind of like that. Wow. Here's another little PlayStation 2 controller. A tiny baby controller. Now that's a PlayStation 1. Here, do you want to hold this for a second? Yeah. Wow, that's a really good D-pad. Uh, the pro- surprisingly really good D-pad. The problem for me with all of these kind of separated, grooved D-pads is they really chew my finger up. Yeah, if they would make it a little bit more like a cradle. Yeah. Yep. A cradle would be the way to go. Oh, here's the Duke. No, that's the S. No, that's, that's not the Duke. That's oh. who you always bet on. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple of these. Or at least I used to. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's it for this. A lot of weird controllers. Maybe I'll take pictures of these controllers. Or maybe that's against the spirit of the idea of this thing. Oh, well. We'll find out. Oh, hello. Uh, welcome back. Uh, uh, we're in uh, Super Potato in uh, Ikebukuro now. Akihabara kind of has turned into just a, a nest of sellouts. It's a, There's not a whole lot of retro game action kind of left there. But this uh, this Super Potato in uh, Ikebukuro is all right. They've got some uh, Street Fighter Two remixes going on over here. Oh, Bare Knuckle 2 for the uh, Mega Drive, 3480, uh, that's alright. Uh, right now I'm holding in my hand, and I, I meant to put it down some time ago, but I've become so attached to it. It's a, a Konami Hyper Boy, which is a little miniature arcade cabinet for your Game Boy that you slip your Game Boy into. And then there's like little levers that you press the B button, and it like presses the B button on the Game Boy. I just think that's hilarious. I've always wanted one of these. But I'm just now seeing there's a brand new inbox one. Uh, and it's really funny. The There's a picture of a kid sitting in his bedroom. So this kid in this picture has got... He's got his little yellow hat on a hat stand with his backpack. Do you see this? Yeah, so he's like just gotten home from school. And he's sitting at his... His like wood desk, just playing his Hyperboy. He's playing Gradius on his Game Boy. So the Hyperboy has a magnifier, a control panel, a joystick. Yeah, this is Konami. Oh man, Konami's headquarters at that time was in Kanda. That's interesting. Chiyotaku. I don't know why. I, I don't really know much about Konami's uh, previous offices. I'm going to go ahead and put this Hyper Boy back up here. It's uh, kind of a stupid thing. I'm buying two games. I'm buying Sadugechu 3 uh, for as a reference material for the old library back home. Uh, Sadugechu 3, or also known as Ape Escape 3. It's hard to find Ape Escape 3 in the U.S., so I'm getting Sadugechu 3. I want to point out that the art director of Sadugechu 3 is the same art director as the Mega Man Legends series. Or Rockman Dash, as I have to call it in Japan for Japanese people to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, and I'm also buying PsyOps, which was published by Capcom in Japan. And it has a box art by 
Neo Geo's favorite guy, Shinkiro. Uh, it has a truly, truly spectacular box art. Neo Geo's favorite guy. Neo Geo's favorite guy. Would we say, is he Neo Geo's favorite guy for doing the art? I mean, he was, but now he's Capcom's favorite guy. Now he's, actually, he's nobody's favorite guy. Yeah, nobody really wants to call him a favorite guy anymore. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, real sad. I have a couple things to say. Oh, yeah, here you go. Just get on in there. Just yeah. grab that. Grab that puppy. Okay. So, yeah, I'm having a dilemma that perhaps those of you who enjoy collecting video games may identify with. And the problem is as follows. I am looking at two games that are about 50 or $60 cheaper than I have seen them on the Internet. However... They're both uh, still over $80 each. And as you may have heard me say on the show before, I don't have a whole lot of money. So it creates this, this angst in me about, you know, why do I want these things? Do I deserve them? <laughs> should, should, I, should I even consider buying these things? Like, I want to play them, but I could just pirate them. Why do I need to have the actual physical object what is that what does that mean for me what am i doing so you know yeah here's rule of rose for uh 8780 8780 our good friend yoshiro kimura is uh one of his masterworks it's a lot of money um but it's a pretty cool game radiant silver gun I used to have that, and I gave it back to the man who owned it. He was he was ready to sell it for me to me for like fifty bucks, and I was like, ah, oh, you shouldn't get rid of that. You should keep it. But then he sold it to somebody else. So that was how gregarious of you. More's the fool me, as they say. But yeah, it makes me makes me think a lot about collecting and where does this compulsion come from, and should I should I rid myself of it? Because I'm looking at a game, Astra Superstars, that costs eighty nine eighty, and I'm thinking maybe I'll get it. But that's I don't know. It usually goes for one hundred fifty. But like, really, <clears throat> do I need this? Do I need it in my life? I don't think so. Huh. The end. Man, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I had a bunch of games in my house. I was just telling. We were talking earlier. I was saying, yeah, I had that game, yeah. remember? And I was like, I just felt sad for a second. See, now I don't even remember what game it was that I... So that's that's the best part. Yeah, it might have been... Uh, I think it was Contra Hardcore. Yeah, it was Contra uh, Hardcore and Bloodlines. I had the American versions in my house in Japan, stupidly. Yeah. Uh, I suppressed the memory, but now it's back. Now I feel sad again. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I had Castlevania Bloodlines and Contra Hardcore in box for Genesis, the U.S. versions... I had an American Genesis. I've actually never owned Radiant Silver Gun. Have I told you this story? No. Wait, we've, we've both shared uh, different stories about Radiant Silver Gun. I pre-ordered it at Electronics yeah. Boutique yeah. Uh, because they were getting import games in, and then somebody else got my copy of it. I really wanted it because... And they said they thought it was you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And because diehard game fan was going hog bonkers about it. And that's the same exact thing that happened at the same exact electronics boutique where I pre-ordered Panzer Dragon Saga. The exact same thing happened. Yeah. And then later I bought it from them and it was missing disc four. Like, here's, here's a thing that adds to, <laughs> to this compulsion. 
uh, which is, I see here a game for uh, 11,000 yen. That's, that's, hun- that's about 110 bucks. Well, with the exchange rate, it's less, but that's you know. about 100 bucks. <clears throat> so I bought that game last year for uh, 6,800, almost half the price. So when I see something like that, it makes me feel like this is my last chance ever to buy this game, and it will never come back. Uh-huh. And uh, the weird thing about that feeling is it's true. <laughs> so it just, it, 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 it puts a fire underneath. I don't know. But uh, I guess I'm going to keep thinking about it. I guess we should point out that Radiant Silver Gun is 17,800 yen. Yeah. And according to this box, it says, It has the survey card, the customer survey card, still inside the package, which is kind of a rarish thing. It has the OB as well. That's the little paper sleeve that goes on the side. Yeah, a little bit faded by the sun. Somebody kept it out on a in front of a window, it looks like. Radiant Silver Gun is a good game to know the price of at a place because... When I first came to Japan, the first copy of Radiant Silver Gun I saw was 11,800 yen. And I thought, that's a lot of money. I, I, I did the exchange rate in my head, and I was like, wow, that's too much. Now it's 17. It's kind of steadily gone up over the last 15 years or so. It's a real harbinger of uh, change for, for the Saturn in general. Just You can look at that one. Because it's one that people are... like. Ev- almost every collector kind of has it. But, the ones, but because of that... There's the other ones still on it, like the new people. How many copies are there? I don't think it was particularly rare. It's like a little less than a regular run. It's just they're largely in collections. Yeah. It's simply that it's not sold. They're not in circulation. Yeah. And you can get it for the Xbox 360. So. Yeah, there's that too. And uh, it's real nice on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Especially if you, like me, own controllers that are not the Xbox controller. You can then use a really good D-pad, get that uh, EA P, uh, PDP Battlefield 4 controller. That's a beautiful controller to play Radiant Silver Gun with. I think Dreamcast games are going to go up in price next. Yeah, Dreamcast is going to just fall apart. Yep. Oh man, have you ever seen the Spelunker cartridge? Oh wow. The yeah, iron. It's it's got like an embossed thing on it, and That's it's got a little nice. jewel in the top. It's cute. They did a lot of fun stuff with the. Uh, uh, Famicom games. There's just, there's like no unified color to them. Oh, we were just talking a minute ago. Uh, the Mega Drive wall is like opposite the, uh, Nintendo 64 wall here. And, well, not opposite perfectly. But the Nintendo 64, everything is like looking at the box arts on the top shelf. Like if you look at Mario Party, Star Fox 64, and Custom Robo here, I mean, look at that. Yeah. Like look at how they're like selling you a birthday party. They're like, come on and have fun at this six-year-old's birthday party of a video game system. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but then if you look at Mega Drive, all the art is this really serious, fine wine-looking, like, just really, it, there's, as I, I said earlier, it has delicacy to it. It's like, even the ones that are trying to look fun, like Sonic the Hedgehog 3, they're selling you a birthday party here, but it's kind of a weird one. Yeah. You know? It's a birthday party, party where uh, all the kids ten years older than you are invited for some reason. Yeah, and your uh, and it's your birthday. Your birthday is hanging out with uh, the old kids. Yeah, 
So it's kind of interesting to see the, the, that really stark contrast. And I guess Nintendo still makes consoles, and uh, Sega doesn't. Sad thing. Oh, man, seeing this Hori Fight Commander right here reminds me that I want to go to a big camera or a Yodabashi because I want to get the Fight Commander 4 oh, yeah. for the PS4. Uh, I want to get one. It's got clicky buttons. Uh, I think we're done talking here for now. But we're going to go somewhere else. Oh, weird Saturn controller, by the way. Oh, nice. I had one of those a long time ago. It's okay. That's a strange answer. All right. Uh, there's two, two Hody ones. Do you see that? Yeah. There's I got the... one of them. Oh, you, did you get one? Yeah, I got one. Oh, cool. The last yeah, have a good time with that. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, this is Tim Rogers. I'm, uh, I'm here at Tokyo Game Show 2015. I'm at, uh, the Necrosoft Games booth, uh, where I've come to see Brandon Sheffield. And, uh, he's not here and the screen is turned off. Uh, he's probably eating lunch. It is, uh, it is 1.07 p.m. I'm sorry, Dad. It's 13.07. Uh, little Freudian slip there calling it one o'clock uh, so it's Saturday day two of the Tokyo game show I was not or Saturday what it's Friday game two uh, I was not allowed in on Thursday because I didn't register because you have to register by midnight the night before registering to be an exhibitor is a or a business associate a business partner is free uh and uh, I didn't do it because I never did it. And uh, that's just not the sort of thing that I do. Uh, I mean, I came to Tokyo Game Show for about 10 years. I never registered for it. Yesterday I got here and uh, they, would, they just wouldn't let me in. They, they just, no matter what I said or did, they, they just, they were like, sorry. And then this one guy looks at me and he goes, he just looks me right in the eye. And he gestures with his hand. Okay, so there's a desk that's for on-site registration, and it's 5,000 yen. And he gestures with his hand all the way across the room and says, You need to pay the 5,000 yen. Over there, please. And then uh, he looks away from me. And just, like, very sharply looked away. Oh, no, no, he said, You need to pay the 5,000 yen. Please go over there, please. And points at the room, the uh, the desk. And so I didn't go over there. I didn't go over there because I did not want to pay 5,000 yen to go to Tokyo Game Show. So here I am on day two. I, I got in because because Brandon had some extra passes, which is funny. Uh, Brandon always has extra passes to game conventions. He's he's that kind of guy. Uh, and, uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so uh, I got this pass and I came over here to see Brandon. And... I decided to stop to get a Dr. Pepper before coming in. I'm drinking it right now. I was going to crack it open on the uh, on the uh, recording here in the true insert credit spirit. But uh, it's a Japanese Dr. Pepper, by the way. Slightly less sugar, slightly less carbonation. A little bit more of a dry taste. Uh, 
I was going to crack it open on the recording in the insert credit tradition, but then as I tried to come in, a lady stopped me and said, no drinks inside, which is funny because there's like vending machines in here and I got it from a vending machine out there. It's like, come on, come on people, like seriously. Uh, so I cracked it open and I started drinking it. And then I noticed the lady had turned her back and just completely abandoned her post. So I walked in without even showing this pass that I was not able to get yesterday. Now, it is worth noting that this is the indie area, which is maybe not the most highly trafficked part of the Tokyo Game Show. Uh, at the moment, anyway, because it's still business day. Uh, Brandon was saying that this is uh, not a very good area. Uh, that they seem to have put the indies away from all the stuff. But I'm looking at it, and it looks like an absolutely fantastic area because I know Brandon is not the type of person to buy video game merchandise, and he does not realize that coming to Tokyo Game Show for a Tokyo-area video gamer is uh, largely a fantastic excuse to buy Kikan Gente merchandise that is limited edition in the non-superior Nihongo uh, limited edition stuff that they're selling like right over there there's Square Enix there's Nintendo there's all these people selling a whole bunch of crap Capcom's got these Monster Hunter hoodies with monster ears on them and whatever I mean yeah they're going to be selling bonker bucket loads of those so these indie games are in a pretty alright area uh, for that sort of thing you're going to get the bonker bucket uh, burger uh, bucket buyers buying uh, coming to buy to play the games so I just wanted to say my number one grievance with Tokyo Game Show. I walked all around the show floor, and it's it's just dead and empty. Uh, I mean, it's not, like, super crowded or anything. Uh, because it's business day. It's not uh, the, the uh, public day tomorrow is going to be completely hideously crowded. So I walked all around, and real funny thing that happened was all I wanted to do with my whole body was play Dragon Quest Builders. Because that's what's going to make me play Minecraft, is Dragon Quest Builders. And it looks really dope and it looks really cool. It's it's Minecraft with Dragon Quest characters and a sort of a story. And a, I don't know, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the heck out of it. I'm going to chill out a lot. I'm going to drink good, delicious, hot teas. I'm going to stream myself playing it for hours on end. Uh... Uh, I'm going to love that game. So I wanted to just play it. I wanted to get my hands on it and just experience the first pleasant moments. Because uh, playing a Dragon Quest game at a Tokyo Game Show feels kind of like a tradition to me. Well, get this. There was a big old sign, and it said, Press Only. So it said, uh, Exhibitors, specifically Exhibitor Badge Holders, are not permitted to play any Square Enix games at the Square Enix booth this year. So I walked up and showed the guy my phone. I was like, hey, I see this exhibit. There was nobody playing the game. Nobody, first of all. Nobody. Uh, a little ways over, there was some, uh, some girl had a microphone on her, and, and she was screaming while playing the new Star Ocean game. Faithlessness and Integrity is the name of the game. You really can't make that up, first of all. Uh, second of all, the game runs, in, uh, the new Star Ocean runs at 60 FPS. Third of all, it's uh, on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4, and it's coming out in, like, summer of 2016. That strikes me as a little weird, because the PlayStation 4 will have literally been out for three years at that point. Uh, but hey, you know, whatever. If it's, like, Unreal Engine, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I go up to Dragon Quest Builders, I go up to the guy, and I say, Hey, 
uh, can I play this? And he's like, oh, you have an exhibitor badge. I'm sorry, we're not supposed to let this play. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know it's media only, but uh, I do some Twitch streams as well. And, I mean, look at this. And I show him my phone. I'm like, look, I have 10,000 Twitter followers. And I was like, see this stupid picture with those stupid glasses? Yeah, that's me. Like, I'm wearing those right now. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's 10,000 Twitter followers. That's, like, pretty much, that's the circulation of Edge magazine. You know, come on, let me, uh, let me play it. You know, and he's like, he said, and then he's like, uh, I don't really think, I mean, you have an exhibitor badge. I can't do it, man. I'm sorry. So that's my tale of woe that I came over here to relate to one Brandon Sheffield, who is at present absent. Uh, One good thing about this hall being as empty as it is, is I'm not going to have to wait in a very long line to take a dump. And, uh... After it finishes Dr. Pepper. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to get Brandon on here uh, in a minute. So we'll talk to you later. Bye.